I've seen a lot of, especially in our industry, like fashion, but even across the gambit with e-commerce companies and bigger companies as well, taking a stand for things that they wouldn't normally because they just feel like it's the right thing to do. And granted, like there's definitely a lot of learnings for a lot of companies, but seeing so many companies come out and show support and like making a commitment over time to do things and donate money has been a really interesting and cool trend and something that I definitely hope that everybody keeps their promises because it's it's been inspiring for sure. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. You're the digital marketing strategist at Chubby Shorts. I mean, I love you guys' shorts, and I always see you guys' ads on Facebook and Instagram. But uh, before I jump into all the marketing and all the awesome insights you have, uh, perhaps give us a little bit of background about who you are, what you do, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I've been with Chubby's for about three and a half years, uh, kind of going back earlier than that. I'm originally from South Carolina. Um, studied political science in college, went to school at like a, an in-state school in South Carolina, a little liberal, liberal arts school. Um, and then after that, I kind of bounced around jobs for most of my twenties doing, uh, like right after college, I went to Yellowstone national park and I worked for a, a recreation co-op there, um, like managing gyms all around the park. Uh, and after that I did a year of nonprofit work for AmeriCorps in Montana um, moved out to Portland, Oregon and worked for a nonprofit bike shop and then moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where I worked a few jobs and, uh, ended up working for one of Chubby's first retail stores. It was a pop-up shop, uh, in Atlanta that was only supposed to last about three months long. Um, and I knew their head of retail at the time we had worked together in college. And so I kind of just offered to help out with their store and, things snowballed into me becoming the store manager and the store kind of grew and then retail grew from, you know, having one and a half stores to having like 12 stores in a year and a half. Um, and so I kind of rode that wave along with Chubby's and moved my way up to moving out to San Francisco to work for headquarters, um, where I did like some national retail training, going to new retail stores and training their staff while working on the marketing team. Um, mostly for like own channels, like social media and email. Um, and then from there kind of positioned into this digital, digital marketing strategist role, which is, uh, mostly email marketing along with some social and ads and copywriting. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I saw on your profiles that you're a, um, expert marketer. Um, you're, you have a ton of experience in uh, copywriting. Um, I'm curious to know, but what's kind of like the, elements of a great, uh, copywritten, uh, piece of, uh, creative or, um, copy. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lack of fluff. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people, I have an intern, uh, who started working with us in February and he reminded me a lot of myself when I started writing for Chubby's, um, because like there's just a lot of extra things, you know, a lot of times if you, 
you can spot a really good piece of copy because you know exactly what everything is and they pack multiple things into a sentence, which is great. Um, so yeah, a lack of fluff and very direct and flowery language. It's kind <laughs> of my favorite. That's awesome. What, uh, what type of unique skills would you say that's helped you become such a successful marketer? Oh man. Um, I definitely say that an ability to, to kind of go with the flow or roll with the punches. Um, I, uh, I did not have like a, I didn't study marketing at all. I studied political science in college. Um, and I'd worked a bunch of jobs where I'd done, you know, in-person marketing and some other stuff. But once I kind of got to the role where I was doing digital marketing, it really helped to be able to like, you know, learn quick on the fly, make mistakes, learn from them really quickly. And so I think the skill of like always being ready to like, learn from your mistakes really fast helped because especially early on, I think it's, it's easy to not feel confident and like be so worried about mistakes that, you know, you overthink everything or do things three times. Um, but the ability to like not be able to be, to mess up a little bit and like learn from that. So it never happens again, really helped. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny. You mentioned learn from your mistakes. Obviously I'm sure you've had I mean, we all have had mistakes along our business and career journeys, but uh, a bunch of our listeners are marketers as well and um, maybe provide some um, insight into some of the mistakes or even maybe, actually let me switch gears, maybe what advice would you give somebody um, wanting to pursue a career just just starting out in marketing? Yeah, I think the best, I mean, what's worked well for me is getting involved with a smaller company um, hands on, like working for free for sure. I, uh, actually started copywriting for chubbies like for free while I was a retail manager. And so like we had our own like Slack channel where we would submit subject lines for email and they just wanted creative people in there. And so for probably a year or a year and a half, I was just in there every week submitting (laughs) subject lines for like consideration. And I got pretty good at it too because it does take time and reps. Um, so I think, you know, getting your hands dirty with a company that'll let you, you know, get involved on a low level and then learning from there and building on those skill sets. Um, it really does just take, you know, time. You have to watch other people, you know, get the chance to spread your wings and do it a little bit yourself and then learn from there. No, I love that. I love that you mentioned that, uh, providing that value up front. And then if you're good, obviously, um, it's snowball into more opportunities for you in the future. Yeah, definitely. People, people will recognize if you're putting out good work, um, or at least from my experience, what I've seen. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned subject lines. I'm actually kind of curious, um, what's kind of the best subject line that's worked uh, for you maybe that you can share. Oh man, it's funny. Cause, um, I've, pro- I've written thousands of subject lines. Like the way we come up, the way we test subject lines is for every campaign, we're testing four different subject lines, which means we're testing 20 different subject lines every week, you know, <laughs> which is <laughs> at least 80 a month minimum. Um, and we had some weeks where we sent five campaigns in peak season. So, writing a lot of subject lines. Um, there's certain themes that I really stick to that are like 
I kind of see it as people will read it vertically because you have your like subject line text and your preview text. And so I like to kind of do setup in the subject and then follow through on the preview. So we try to keep it one to three words in the subject line um, and then follow through on the preview text. So it kind of has a flow to it. But yeah, some of our best subject lines have just been like one words like, hey, or, um, or like, guess what? Surprisingly, like for <laughs> we did one, you can, you can change who the sender is on email. So like we've done the blazers by chubbies and then the subject. So it, it'll come from the blazers by chubbies. And then the subject line will be their back. And then the preview text would be like in three different colors and a brand new awesome print or something like that. Um, and that's like that blazer one is an example of like a really high performing subject line that was relatively simple, but since it was spread out, between the sender and the subject in the preview, it performed really well for us. That's really awesome. That's super creative, uh, building that uh, curiosity as well. Um, really piqued that curiosity. I feel that uh, probably helps too with the open rates as well. Yeah, you know the the inbox is very cluttered as every human being in the world. Knows. <laughs> it's wild, like the amount of emails that are promotional that everybody gets. So we try to make a point of you know, keeping it brief, but also, you know, we make it flow. And then we try to, we also say things that stick out a lot of times, stuff with wordplay or things that are like very jokey. Uh, the most popular one that comes to mind is like, we sent an email from the abominable snowman at chubbies.com and the subject line just said, I'm real, (laughs) which like stuff like that, you're not normally going to see from most brands, which is great. It kind of gives us a leg up and it's, it's kind of in line with the way our brand is positioned. We don't take ourselves too seriously. So um, it's not too big of a surprise for people. You know, I love that. You have to break through the clutter. Um, like you mentioned, we get so much spam or so much promotional emails in our inbox that it all kind of, kind of becomes white noise and you don't really um, pay too much attention. But when you have people like yourself or Chubbies that sends you emails, that really kind of catches your attention. Yeah, um, it's good. But yeah, I wanted to um, ask you too. Um, obviously, some of our listeners may not know what uh, who Chubby's or what the brand is, but uh, maybe from your perspective, what's kind of the most um, interesting thing or biggest thing Chubby's does that maybe most consumers or even our listeners probably won't know about? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that people probably won't know that we do is... Uh, unless you're kind of in the know. I mean, every year, I guess for over the past five years, we've done it three separate years, but, um, a man model campaign where it started off, I think in 2013, we just made a marketing campaign that was like, we want you to be our next man model. And we're going to pick 10 man models to be professional. We're going to sign you to a modeling contract, which means you get like free chubbies for life you get flown out to photo shoots. You're going to be in our videos and our photos. Um, and it was great. And like we had thousands of submissions, people voted on it. We kind of went from like thousands down to a hundred, got it down to about 20 people and then put it to like a popular vote, like a democratic vote. Um, which the first time we did, it was an awesome campaign. And like the purpose was definitely to get everyday people that you wouldn't normally see in, uh, in like a modeling role 
like different body types, different people from different backgrounds and like the type of people who actually wear our stuff, which was like, we got a great response to it. So we did it again, I believe two years later. And then we did it again this year as well with like a, we called it a stay influencer because it happened kind of in this age of Corona. And so the idea was like for people who are putting out really great social content while they're being socially responsible and staying inside. Uh, we ended up picking, I think, 11 people for that one, which is really awesome. Cool way to engage with our customers and like get to get people who actually love our brand and wear our stuff involved in content creation. Absolutely. Maybe next time you have it, uh, let me know. I'm definitely going to put a submission in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, next spring, send you a line. Awesome. Um, you, yeah, you mentioned Corona, actually. Um, I've been talking to a lot of brands and kind of how they're dealing with Corona the last hundred or so days. Um, but for you, what's kind of been the biggest challenges that uh, you've come across during this kind of age of pandemic or Corona? Yeah, man, it's it's been really wild. Um, the, the biggest, the hardest part for us was like just all the unknowns at the beginning. Um, luckily for us, we're, we're mostly e-commerce, like online, but we do have retail stores and wholesale accounts. So at the beginning, the question was like, how can we get rid of some inventory that we were planning on? Because like, as a company, we had planned on having like the biggest summer ever really in our business. And so the question was like, how do we make sure we don't have too much inventory? How do we like cut down costs? And then from there, how do we even talk about our product? Cause our brand is very lighthearted. We like to have fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but it didn't seem, especially in March and April, like the time to be messaging about vacations and having fun and going out on the weekends because that was kind of the last thing any of us were, should do at that time. So the hardest part was kind of figuring out where our role as marketers was in that. And we luckily were able to adapt. We have a really awesome team and we changed our photo shoots to be like with people in our company inside of our apartments, kind of focused around activities you do inside. We wrote a lot of emails and advertisements that were about staying inside or, you know, like <laughs> having comfortable clothes. Cause you know, everybody's stuck inside. You don't have to dress up at all. Um, so luckily that hurdle we were able to, to get over. And then after that, you know, it's been five months now, but one of the hardest parts is we all work remotely now kind of unexpectedly. And so there's a whole aspect of like communication between teams, um, time management, you know, it's weird not having people around that you can talk to about all the projects you're on all the time. Um, so that's been a hurdle for sure, but I've definitely gotten better at, you know, messaging people and communicating that way. But it's definitely shown, <laughs> shown some weaknesses in the remote workforce. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's talking about zoom fatigue. Um, have you experienced that at all or, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've gotten out of a lot of meetings that I didn't need to be in earlier this year, which was great. Um, because like specifically what I do with email, our team's relatively small and we handle a lot of it just between us. So our meetings got cut down significantly before kind of COVID happened. Um, which is nice. I have less meetings, but 
<laughs> there is a bit of zoom fatigue and you feel it from people too when you get in there and everybody's just kind of like tired of being in their apartments and talking into their computers. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, just want to switch gears a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit more macro. Um, but from your experience, Eric, what's kind of been the biggest changes in the marketing industry from when you first started uh, to today? Yeah. I mean, I'm relatively new to the marketing game just a couple years in. So like, um, there's nothing huge Although there. This year has been kind of inspiring, I guess for me as a young marketer and we're a younger company, all our founders are in their early thirties and kind of seeing the way people have responded, you know, in the past few months and then like showing support of black lives matter and like putting a mission in front of their company that maybe they didn't have before. I've seen, I've seen a lot of, especially in our industry, like fashion, but even across the gambit with e-commerce companies and bigger companies as well. Um, taking a stand for things that they wouldn't normally because they just feel like it's the right thing to do. And granted, like there's definitely a lot of learnings for a lot of companies. And luckily for us, we're a little bit smaller and we're able to like think things out and we don't have as big of a footprint. Um, and we don't get the scrutiny that a lot of companies get, but seeing so many companies come out and show support and like making a commitment over time to do things and donate money has been a really interesting and cool trend and something that I definitely hope that everybody keeps their promises because it's, it's been inspiring for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you, Eric, there's been tons of tons of brands and companies that have been making stances and yeah, it would be interesting to see post COVID or post, um, kind of this heightened, um, sense of social, uh, justice, I guess, if you will, um, whether companies and brands will stick to kind of their promises. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's definitely a new, a new realm for a lot of companies and, and us included just because it wasn't something that we had put at the forefront of the company before and like said, we were going to put manpower and fundraising behind. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very much hoping that everybody keeps to their promises because it's definitely a great sign that, you know, the younger generation in the U S and younger companies are, are willing to help drive change. Well, absolutely. Uh, speaking of that though, what's kind of been, um, some of the brands or companies or even marketers that you've admired, um, the past few, few months or even kind of your favorite ones to keep note of. Yeah. I'm a kind of a fanboy of Marine layer a little bit. Um, they have a similar laid back vibe to us, but a little bit, higher price point on their products. Um, and maybe a little bit older of like, I think their main clientele, like male and female that they're going for is a little bit older than ours, but the way that they write and present their product, I think is very cool and consistent. Um, which is great to watch. And I think during, during COVID they did a great job of, you know, things that were additive to the times, like companies doing mass donations, selling masks and doing like one for one mask donations or just straight mask donations, you know, donations to nonprofits. Um, yeah, Marine layer does a great job of that. Other companies, um, I don't have any other ones at the forefront of my mind. Um, well, that's awesome though. Marine layer. Okay, cool. Um, 
My next question, uh, earlier we talked about kind of the subject lines and um, the ones that have performed the best for you guys. I, I really love the Abominable Snowman. I think that's really <laughs> clever. Um, but uh, for you personally, I guess, what's kind of been the most successful marketing campaign that you've ever worked on? Most successful? Um, we do, so every year since like 2012, um, we've done something we call July or Monday, which is, you know, in June before the 4th of July, we'll do a full day sales event. Um, and like normally it started as like 12 hours of free gifts and every hour was a new gift. Um, which is like a pretty big ordeal. And back then we had like super expensive gifts, like the campaign wasn't profitable <laughs> and like they just pushed a bunch of ad revenue to get people to the site, which is, I mean, we drove a bunch of revenue, but we, it wasn't necessarily the most profitable revenue. Um, and last year I'd kind of like been at the forefront of the email program and we were going into this change where we wanted to kind of take the focus off from that one day and do like, a, you know, a week and a half to two weeks worth of sales leading into the campaign so, uh, what we ended up doing was like a bunch of like category specific flash sales or like early deals in the two weeks going into it, which took a lot of pressure off that day where it's like, you know, in 12 hours we need to make a bunch of money. Otherwise our entire month is messed up. Um, and we were able to do it pretty well. We, we, uh, one of the cool things we did was we targeted people who had shopped around the campaigns in the years prior and like people who we, you, we use Clavio, And so I would build segments of like people who made their first order last spring or last fall and send them targeted discounts for the day of that were like on the day of July where here's, you know, $10 off or $15 off, you know, for joining us last spring or something. Um, and then drive it, it got pretty complex, but on the day of, we drove a lot of revenue from those coupons and all those people were also targeted beforehand. So they're shopping kind of the sales in the two weeks leading into it. Um, and it was cool because we, we replicated it for our cyber Monday, black Friday kind of campaign as well as July this year where we did two, two weeks of sales going into it. And it's like made the whole like go to market team, a lot less stressed during <laughs> the time rather than having like this one huge big campaign for 12 hours. We have two weeks of it. Um, and it's become, you know, very, very much, or it's a lot more manageable than it used to be. Right. <laughs> yeah, profitable, which is great. Yeah. That's we through, like a lot of different, a big thing for fashion companies too, is like making sure, you know, we're not, only selling swim trunks or only selling casual or only selling sport kind of trying to like lighten the load by making sure we're like draining them appropriately and, and having like a long sales event like that where you can focus on, you know, a swim flash sale or casual flash sale, a shirts flash sale really helped with that and moving inventory equally. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking about moving inventory, um, for hypothetically speaking, let's say, you were given 50% more budget. Um, what kind of areas or aspects would you use that budget to bring in more customers or even build, build, uh, build more revenue or profitable revenue? Yeah. I mean, definitely for us, we're a smaller team. So 
you know, getting one to two more people on the team and then having them focus on like, you know, kind of exploratory or experimental things we can do. There's certain like avenues for ads we haven't quite explored. Um, or even like concepts for email campaigns or long-term email campaigns or segmentation of email lists that like with, if we had a bigger budget and more people, we could allocate time and kind of put focus on finding new ways to do stuff or new ways to engage audiences. Um, There's definitely like, you know, with digital marketing, it's just such a wide world out there that the more research you do into people and platforms, the, the crazier you can get with it. And so definitely, you know, a couple specialists that, that could get us doing some more funky stuff or at least funkier stuff than we do now. <laughs> I don't know. You guys are doing already pretty funky stuff. So. Yeah, we got, we got some funky stuff. <laughs> we are to top that. <laughs> yeah, I actually did. Uh, so we always test stuff. Like I test a lot of different variations for email, like just the, the content that you see in it. And a few weeks back, I we created a GIF. It was my intern's idea because we had talked about it, but we kind of ran on it and, and we wrote a script together of like a text thread between our accountant and then whoever's writing the email. And it's about how like they're going to put this collection on sale for 15% off. The accountant was like, you're in the same meeting with me. We just said you can't do that. And it's like, oops, sorry, I already did it. And they're like, you can see the text coming through. And we just turned it, we screen recorded it, turned it into a GIF. And that was like the whole body of the email, which was really cool kind of a creative way to like catch people's eye. It didn't perform as well as a regular email, but it was still fun to do. Yeah. No, that's Um, creative. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we're trying, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah, no, no, it's, uh, it's some great insights. Um, actually one of the things I always like to tell people is, uh, marketing is much, much more than just the art. There's a science behind it. And, um, it's not just putting a piece of, creative out and putting some Facebook ads behind it, but actually doing the, uh, the campaign research and, um, measuring the results and all that. So, um, but for you personally, Eric, what's kind of been the, or maybe some of the most, uh, common successful, um, components of a digital marketing strategy? Yeah. Um, I mean the, the best components of like a successful one, for us, like say it's a product launch, it kind of starts at the planning and the photography phase where like as a group, we're talking about what's the use of this product? What's the type of person we would see in this? Like, what are they using it for? Uh, Talking to like design and our merchandising team and then getting ideas from there on photo shoots. And then our photo team is like, so that collaboration kind of between all of us at the beginning is like a great component of it because from the beginning, everybody's expectation is like, you know, we know what we're going to focus on this product. And then once photo goes and gets like some, some awesome assets, it kind of, it comes back down to us. We decide the words we're going to say, the graphics we're going to use, choose the photos we're going to use, kind of figure out the position for it. Like the, like what's the value proposition of why you would want this product and then make it sound funny. So kind of that collaboration from the beginning conception to photography to us kind of piecemealing it together for email 
which also bleeds into advertising are like the biggest components for us of a successful marketing campaign. Absolutely. And what would you say is the, maybe what's the main um, relationship between marketing and sales? Yeah. I mean, for us as like digital marketers and, and we're mainly an e-commerce company, we can directly see the impact that marketing has on sales. Like when we send, we use Shopify. And so when we send out a full campaign, we can directly see the impact that it has on sales, which is really awesome. Um, there is like, a, the impact is, is pretty big and you can tell when you, when you hit it really hard, like when a message resonates and you've walked the fine line of like creating a very funny branded message that is in the right tone and looks good and the product is great and serves a purpose. Um, you know, that relationship is like very one-to-one. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I only have a few more questions for you. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, what's kind of been the most helpful resources that's helped you uh, become successful? Or it could be something you've read, listened to, but what's kind of been something that's really um, helped you just to give some value to the listeners? Yeah, I mean, Google by far is great. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube <The> Academy. <laughs> yeah, I know. The amount of times I've just Googled a question I've had where I've been like, especially early on where I was going to ask somebody and I was like, maybe because like people don't explain anything to you. Like when I first came in, people throw around acronyms. They're like KPIs. I was like, what are KPIs? And I'm like, okay, I Googled it, figured out key performance indicators. So like that was by far the biggest asset because so many very kind people on the internet have spent time writing all these articles that are very specific, um, which is great. But I think probably the the best tool that I had at the beginning was the people that I worked with, kind of watching them, asking them questions, asking for feedback too. Like a lot of times I'd be like, rather than just send them something that I was, that I'd finished, I'd be like, what do you think of this? And I would just walk over. Granted, you can't really do that nowadays, but send it to them and ask for feedback. That's like, what do you think of this? Does this strike the right tone? Do you think there's anything that could improve this kind of opening the window for people to give you feedback was like one of the biggest resources I had because kind of when you open that door, people will be like, Oh, especially experienced people, um, will give you, you know, great feedback that's easy to learn from and easy to replicate. Absolutely. Um, one question I, I did want to get to, though, was uh, from your experience or from what uh, you've uh, guess insight you've uh, learned along your uh, career journey. But uh, how do you create a great customer experience? Yeah, I mean, a big part of it is caring about the customer for sure. Um, it, for us, like customer experience has always been at the forefront is one of the first things that like the company hired for. Cause we did, we had domestic customer service agents rather than outsourcing it. And so like the experience from the way that we messaged our product back then to our actual, you know, customer service agents to our advertisements, to our social media, all kind of had that same tone. And that tone was like, you know, if you shop with us, you're one of our friends and we're going to do whatever we can to help you. And that's something that we've always done. Um, 
you're trying not to change up the tone a lot too. So you, you kind of know what you're going to get from us most of the time. That's like, you know, pretty, we're making jokes about our products probably. And we're not taking ourselves too seriously. Bright prints, happy people. Um, and we don't stray from that too much, which is great. And then when people have problems with products, we're like, you know what? We'll, we have a pretty lenient return policy, exchange policy, which helps a lot too. Um, and so people kind of get that vibe that the experience you get 365 degrees around the company is positive and branded. Absolutely. Getting that consistency and um, even authenticity in who your brand is. Um, I think you guys are doing a great job doing that. Um, but yeah, where, where can our listeners uh, connect with you online? Yeah, the easiest way is to, to find me on LinkedIn. Fortunately, I'm for somebody who works as a digital marketer, I do not uh, use social media. I don't have an Instagram. I have a Facebook, but it's just for ads manager. <laughs> um, so if you look up Eric Hellstrom on LinkedIn, connect with me for sure. Um, I've connected with a lot of digital marketers over the last year, which has been, I think LinkedIn's a great tool for that. People will reach out just to talk or if they've, you know, I'm in, based out of Austin now. So if people move to town who don't have a job, they'll reach out and we'll get coffee and kind of just talk about the lay of the land here and build a little network, which is awesome. That's awesome. I'll, I'll uh, put your LinkedIn profile link in the description of the uh, podcast and I implore our listeners to connect with Eric. Um, but yeah, what's yeah. maybe uh, the last kind of couple questions here? But what's maybe uh, something that you're proud of that we haven't touched on on the podcast? Something I'm proud of. Oh, probably the thing that I'm most proud of, especially my time at Chubby's, was has been you know the employees that I've, I've got to train and work with. Um, since I started out in retail and like. I had a staff of about eight people underneath me. Like we built and we were one of the first stores and we didn't really have a training curriculum. There wasn't many expectations. So like the experience of getting to build a branded store experience, we were all working on it together and having fun was really awesome. And something that I was proud of getting to see those people grow in their roles. And it's kind of since this year was, we got our first marketing intern since I've been with the program um, and he's directly underneath me and, and kind of training him and watching his growth and like pushing him kind of in the direction of like the way that my path went has been super rewarding and I'm definitely super proud of that. That's awesome. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, as good as the people you're surrounding yourself with. So, um, that's awesome that, uh, you mentioned your team. Um, but yeah, to end the podcast, since it's a marketing and branding podcast, um, I usually ask the guests one word or phrase to describe their brand. Um, so my question to you, Eric, is what's one word or phrase that you would use to describe Eric Hellstrom's one word or phrase? It's now if it has a hyphen, does that count as one word? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, I'll say semi-professional. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.